Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, he's the rescue for sin. in singing that he is our all in all Amen. he is our lord and we'll spend eternity with him oh it, it's it's almost unfathomable sometimes when you enter that realm and amen sure good to be in the house of the lord tonight appreciate the songs the worship appreciate the prayers appreciate the saints of god god is in nature god is in his word God is in his people. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. You know, our walk is an individual walk. And, and we need to have that. More than just a church walk. We need to have a personal, individual walk with God. A place you can slip away and you can be with him. And, and that's all wonderful. But what if you wouldn't have a church to come to? What if you wouldn't have brothers and sisters? Thank God for all of that. Amen. Well, it seems like June is such a busy month. We had our grad, Brother John Andes was here. And then the weekend after, we had our brother Vernon Manahan. He was here. And, uh, and uh, I, I, were you blessed by these services? Amen. Amen. There's a different part of God that's ministered in every one of these services. And we thank the Lord for that. And uh, um, tonight we've got another part of the, the Lord going to minister to us through Brother John. It's been a little while since he's ministered, so we want to let the Lord use him and use the gift in his life tonight. I just want to make mention of just some upcoming meetings as well. And as I said, there's been a lot going on. Um, July 2nd is a long weekend. We're only going to have one service that day. And uh, we're going to actually have Brother Gift from... Saskatoon here. Brother Gift uh, originally was from Zambia. He spent the last 21 years in Sask Saskatoon. Much is made of his name, and I'm not going to put a pun on that today, but uh, he is a brother who has been a blessing, and the last number of years his burden has been overseas. He uses six to seven weeks a year of vacation time, and he goes back to his home country of Zambia, and he ministers. And uh, this last little while, the Lord laid it on his heart, and he's just felt that he's calling him back home, and he's going back full-time to minister. So he's leaving in July here, and we wanted to have him just come. We, we have some missionary projects that we are, Lord willing, will be working on together, and uh, we appreciate our brother. So July 2nd will only be one service, but it'll be Brother Gift that will be here. So if you can be here, then let's, let's look forward to that. Also wanted to make mention that we will be, uh, Lord willing, having Brother Ovidio come and speak to us one service. We may put that off till somewhere in July on, on an evening, but uh, we're just getting Brother Tito prepped to translate 
from Spanish to English. He's used to doing it the other way. So the Lord willing, we'll, we'll do that. At the end of July, we've got special meetings. We're going to put an announcement on our bulletin board and on our website. But our special meetings will be July 27th. That's a Thursday. And then we'll have a meeting every day, July 27th, the Thursday, the Friday, the Saturday, and then the Sunday will be one service. So we had Brother Ron Spencer confirmed for two of those services, and we'd been looking to have Brother Donnie. It's not going to be working out, but we've got um, Brother Ray Erickson and Brother Nathan Erickson coming. So there's four main services. Brother Ron will be taking two. The other brothers will be taking one. And then we're going to have a youth service, which Brother Nathan will be taking. And then we're going to have a minister's breakfast, which Brother Ray will be taking. So I want us to be in prayer for that. I want us to be looking to the Lord for that. Brother Ron felt it very much on his heart at the time to come. The other brothers are, are also very excited to come. Brother Ray is looking for the opportunity to minister with his grandson. And... Uh, I think we're going to see the message in many generations that weekend. And I, I believe the message is enduring and it will live on. So I want us to be praying for God to speak through all these gifts. You know, we're looking not to see these brothers. We're looking to see God in these brothers. So that's what we're going to be looking forward to. So let's keep those things in prayer. And uh, without further ado, we'll have Brother John come up. Let's sing Springs of Living Water. <clears throat> I thirsted in a barren land of sin and shame, and nothing satisfying there I found. But to the blessed cross of Christ one day I came, where springs of living water did abound. Oh, I drink springs of living water. springs of living water, oh wonderful, bountiful supply, how sweet the living water from the hills of God, it makes me glad and happy all the way, now glory, grace, and blessing mark the path I've trod, I'm shouting of living water, wonderful and bountiful supply. Oh, sinner, won't you come today to Calvary? A fountain there is flowing deep and wide. The Savior now invites you to the waters free, where thirsty spirits can Oh, I'm drinking at the springs of living water. Oh, happy now am I. My soul is satisfied. I'm drinking at the springs of living water. Oh, wonderful. 
wonderful and bountiful supply. Oh, and yes, I'm drinking at the springs of living water. Happy now am I, my soul is satisfied. I'm drinking at the springs of living water. Wonderful and bountiful supply. How many is happy to be a Christian? How many has that joy of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Well, maybe we could just, just wonderful presence that's here tonight. Maybe we could just bow our heads. And, Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we know you're our peace, our joy, our sustainer, Lord. You're the one that gives us the joy no matter what would be going on, Lord. You're the one that gives us that something that comes down to our hearts, Lord. And we just thank you for this moment to come and to be able to express ourselves to you, Lord, the creator, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Lord, the one that's chosen us and predestinated us and set us on this journey. I pray that you'd come, Lord, now. We thank you for the the singing. We thank you for the spirit that's been, Lord. And we just want to come now and and get ourselves out of the way. I, I just pray that you'd come and take this little thought and... Lord, we want to give ourselves to you, Lord. I, I can't do it, but you can. And Lord, by, by ourselves, it won't work. But when you come, Lord, Lord, we just surrender, Lord, speaker and hearer. And I pray you'd come and meet whatever need you'd want to meet tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you. That's all the, the singing will do. Uh, it's, it's a privilege to stand here. We're a blessed church and we're a blessed people. And I was thinking we've had some wonderful weekend meetings, Brother Paul, even Brother Paul and Brother Brent and Brother John and different ones, and you can turn to Psalms 104, but we've had just wonderful times in the, in the presence of the Lord. Even Brother Moses, I can think of a service, there was the law of the sowing, or Brother Andrew, Satan, thou art an offense to me, or Brother, Brother Ed, about dealing with conflict, or God comes, and Satan comes also to be aware. Brother Max, God is working on our testimony. So much wonderful word that's been coming, and so we thank the Lord. We're a, we're a blessed church. We're a blessed people. And I have a, I have a little thought tonight that I, I, it, I thought it was maybe kind of in a good spot. And then new thoughts came this morning and maybe more this afternoon. And so it'll take God to make it all work and put together. But I trust that God can, he can make it work when I can't. If we can turn to Psalms 104 verses 14 and 15 and then Revelations chapter 6, I believe, we'll go to after that. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of men, that he may bring forth food out of the ground. And notice these three things. And wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. Revelations chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. This is the opening of the third seal. And that, Brother Branham, if you know the third seal a little bit, you know there's this wonderful section in the last half an hour where he begins to talk about the new wine that's given forth. And then the fourth seal, he follows it up. I want you to notice the things that are put together in this verse, and then we'll, we'll, we'll look at it a little bit. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And, be, and I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And here's the picture, the symbols that are used in the Bible. I want to look at three symbols in the Bible tonight. I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts, a measure of wheat for a penny. What was wheat used to do? Wheat is used to make bread. 
So a measure, so there was this beast, this, this horse was, there, or there was this power controlling the bread, controlling the, the staff of life, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley also used to make bread for a penny and see thou hurt not, the other two, the oil and the wine. So you can see even in the Psalms it said, wine maketh the, glad the heart of man, oil it maketh his faith to shine, and bread strengthens the heart of man. These three together, I want to look at these three elements. I want to, I want to title tonight, um, bread, oil, and new wine. And God bless you. You can have your seats. This little thought has been running through my mind for a little bit now. Um, it maybe dates back even to taking a little youth service that we had where maybe the young people did more work than I did that night. We're at the Seratins where we began to do a little self-led study on what is bread in the Bible. And then I was also looking at a little bit ago the sufficiency of the anointing. Brother Matt Watkins had come on anointed by the supernatural. began to look at the anointing and the Holy Spirit. And now this other part on the new wine is just kind of coming. So I'll just share what's been coming, and I hope it's a blessing as we'd maybe walk through a few different scriptures and a few different thoughts, and we'll just trust God to put it together. Well, we know that bread, oil, and wine in the Bible would all be symbolic. The Bible is full of symbols from start to finish, but symbols will start in the Old Testament. They'll start as a shadow. They'll start as something. The Old Testament is all filled with types and shadows, and as we move to the New Testament, and as we move to today, because it's all a type for today, we can begin to see a picture laid forth. Everything that we see in the Bible laid out from Old Testament and New Testament, there's still an element that is fully manifested today in us. And that's the beautiful thing to live in this day. We're a blessed people to live in the last stage. We know that if we begin to look at bread and oil and wine, we can see that, or well, I didn't realize this, but I began to look and realize they're connected throughout the Bible over and over and over again. I didn't share these scriptures with you, Brother Ethan, so don't try to worry about keeping up. But there's, there's a few scriptures that I'll just jump through, and I'm just going to speak verbally, but, but just to see that they're tied together over and over again. Typically, bread was denoted by corn or barley, maybe barley, but corn or wheat or something like that, but that is used to make bread. But then there was wine and oil over and over tied together for some purpose. Back in, in Exodus, there's a, a scripture in Exodus 29, 40, and, and the, or sorry, I'll go to Numbers 18, 12, and the best of the oil and all the best of the wine and of the wheat, the first fruits of them which they shall offer unto the Lord, them have I given thee. So you t- there, there's this tying together of the three. Deuteronomy 7, verse 13, and he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy room, the fruit of the land, thy corn, thy wine, and thine oil. The increase of thy kind, thy cows, the flocks of thy sheep, and it goes on. There's another one in Deuteronomy 11:14 that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn, thy wine, and thy oil. These all are three different things. They're all three separate types, but they're tied together. And I'll say this at the outset, these things, these three things put together bring a victorious Christian life. What is, and I'll just say, what is, the, what is the bread? What is the wheat? It's the word of God, the body of Christ. It is the word of God. I am the bread of life. What is the oil? It's the Holy Ghost. We know that 10 virgins went out to buy oil. We know that all of these things would be set forth as the oil. And the wine is the stimulation of the revelation when it's made vindicated to us. 
Deuteronomy 14.23, And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to put his name there, the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thine oil, and the firstfruits of thy herds and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. Back in Genesis, man was cursed. And it was said that unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. In sorrow now you'll eat of the ground. And what the curse set forth was this. Thorns and thistles also shall it bring forth unto thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread. So it was set forth that this is what you will eat. As a human under the curse, all the way back in Genesis, this is the staff of life. This, Brother Branham's term would use that. This is the staff of life. Bread. Deuteronomy would lay out. I'm, I hope I don't move. I'm just kind of, just relax and stay with me. I'll just move from scripture to scripture if that's okay. Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 3 would say, All the commandments which I commanded thee this day shall you observe to do that you may live, and there's, this is where it begins to be magnified from just a curse to eat bread, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee. That's what trials are for. To know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, Notice how they were fed with manna, this light bread. They began to despise it, but it was of God. It was the staff of life for them. Fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread alone only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So bread had a natural type, but bread's spiritual type was the word of God. It was the word of God for us. We know that Jesus, when he was tempted, he would say, he would quote this scripture and say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that cometh out of the mouth of God. Dwell on bread for a second. Brother Branham would, would, would take the word even Bethlehem, and he would begin to lay out, and he says, the word Bethlehem, let's break it down. Beth means house. El means God. Elham means bread. The house of God's bread, how fitting it was then for the, house, for the bread of life to come out of Bethlehem. House of God's bread. Oh, it's a beautiful story. Brother Brandon would say we must have something fresh from Christ. His word today for this hour, he is our freshness, our bread that falls every day from heaven upon the believer. Brother Brandon would say you want to get closer to God, read your Bible and pray every day. That's what comes when we begin to feed on the bread of life. We become the word as we receive the word. It, we, we can say we are what we eat. He is our Bethlehem. My, God's house of eternal life bread. Christ was born in Bethlehem and became God's house of eternal life bread. He is the bread of life. He is our Bethlehem, Christ our Bethlehem. Natural bread is called the staff of life. We call the natural bread, like our light bread and stuff we get, it's called the staff of life. Jesus is God's staff of life. A bread of life, of eternal life. And he would go on. In the tabernacle, there was something called the showbread. Another trail of bread through the Bible. 
And there's so much maybe we could say, but Brother Branham would say quickly, he was the rock that was in the wilderness, he was the manna that was in the wilderness, and he was the showbread that was in the temple. He was the bread. The bread was always symbolizing Christ, the word. It was always symbolizing something that would be there, the word. He was the waters in Jordan. He was the alpha, the omega, the beginning, and the ending. We know in the scripture, Jesus would come forth and he would say, I am the bread of life that was come forth out of God, out of heaven. And, and, and he would begin to make these statements that would drive the enemy so crazy when he would say a statement like, I and my father are one. And I want to say this tonight. We can say the same thing. If we are the body of Christ, and he's my, and we're his hands and we're his feet, then we're the bread of life to this dying generation. And we can say, I and my father are one too. That's that same son of man ministry that's continuing on. Jesus would say this in John chapter 4. He would go out and meet the woman at the well, have a whole conversation of her. And in John chapter 4, verse 28, the woman then left her water pot. And went her way into the city and saith to the man, Come see a man which told me all that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? What was he doing? He was the bread of life to her. He was, he was giving the word to her. He was revealing himself to her. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. Master, we have bread for you. Master, we have bread for you. Come and eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. And he said, therefore, said his disciples one to another, hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, my meat, my bread, my staff of life is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. The word of God. He was to come to fulfill the word for his day, his bread, his staff of life. That was what he was to live out. And that was his meat. That was his sustenance. And that's our sustenance, our spiritual staff of life today. I'm going to take a jump, and we're going to tie it together in a second. But the oil, we, we would know maybe well, and we'd maybe hear much preaching on the Holy Ghost, the new birth. In Leviticus 8, verses 10, it would say that Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was therein, and sanctified them, and he sprinkled thereof upon the altar seven times, and anointed the altar and all his vessels, both the laver and his foot, to sanctify them. And he poured the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. An anointing comes with a purpose. An anointing comes with something that would come over someone's life to give them that unction and that power and that teaching to lead them into all truth and, and, and righteousness. First John would say, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you have not need that any man teach you, but as that same anointing teacheth you of all things. It gives you that purpose. As we become the word, as we receive the word, that Holy Spirit has to come and quicken us and begin to set us alive for our purpose and give us the power that we need and that purpose and that something that we need. Verse 29 and 1 John 27, 1 John 2, verse, 20, verse 29, sorry, would say, uh, if you, the, the last part at least would say, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. That anointing comes by a new birth. 
We know that even as we would look at the message and Brother Brandon would lay out that the new birth would, he would say, hey, the, the new birth, the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not the same as the new birth. And then he would say that it's the same. What it is, I believe, is that when water, blood, when, when, when justification comes and sanctification comes, culminated by the baptism of the Holy Spirit and God accepts your faith, you're born again. You're fully born again. All the way along is the process of a birth coming up to the channel, coming up to the opening of the womb, and then the birth comes forth. You're born again. You're anointed by the Spirit. God pours His blessing out on you and receives your faith. In the message, Why Christ Speak, Brother Brandon would say, and may we be able to catch what the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal to us. For if we realize, for we realize if He should anoint us, the anointing is not in vain, but it comes for a purpose that it might work to the good to the Lord, and may our hearts and understanding be open, Lord. So as the oil would come, as the Holy Spirit would come, there's a purpose and an anointing that would follow, and there's something that would set forth for us to do. Is this okay? <laughs> I'm going to take another detour. What is revelation? I'm going to take a look at a few things that Brother Branham would say in the Church Age book about revelation, and he says some amazing things about what revelation is. In the Church Age book, Brother Branham would say, the Greek word for revelation is apocalypse, which means unveiling. We take the word apocalypse in these end times and take it to mean something totally different with dragons and... It's not meant to be something like that. The end of the world might be a terrifying thing to the world. It is not to us. Apocalypse is a beautiful thing to us. It's the unveiling of Christ. It's the unveiling of revelation of who he is and his will for us. The Greek word for revelation is apocalypse, which means unveiling. This unveiling is perfectly described in the example of a sculptor unveiling his work of statuary, exposing it to the on onlooker. It's an uncovering, revealing what was previously hidden. Now, the uncovering is not only the revelation of the person of Christ, but it is the revelation of his future works in the oncoming seven church ages. And he says this, the importance of revelation by the Spirit to a true believer can never be overemphasized. The importance can never be overemphasized. Revelation means more to you than perhaps you realize. Now, I'm not talking about this book of Revelation in you. I'm talking about all Revelation. He makes the point to say it's not just about the revelation of the person of Jesus Christ, or it's not just the book of Revelation. All Revelation. Revelation is allowing, I, I, maybe if I could put it, is the... The ability to see God's will for your life. I believe Brother Brown would even put it that way. It's the ability to see who he is, what he wills for us, what his word says, what it means to us, who our brothers and sisters are, who this is, who that is, what the end times are, where we live. It's all by revelation and not by a head knowledge. We can learn most of that. You won't learn the seventh seal. But we can learn most of that maybe by learning and structure and order. But for it to become alive... It won't be student comparing verse by verse or scripture by scripture. And it also won't be by getting all emotional and caught up in something and feeling like it was a great revelation. Revelation is firmly grounded in the word of God. 
and firmly grounded in you being anointed by the Word of God or by the Holy Spirit and you feeding on the bread of life. How did Abel know what to do in order to offer a proper sacrifice to God? By faith, he received the revelation of the blood. Cain didn't get such a revelation, even though he had a commandment, even though he had a, a rules and order, he could, so he couldn't offer the right sacrifice. It was a revelation from God that made the difference and gave Abel eternal life. There's a few, I, I don't know maybe where I, how to put it, but there's some powerful quotes, and I wish I could maybe say it like Brother Max could say it, but Brother, Bra- Brother Branham lays some three different, few different powerful quotes in the church age book. But when the church disbelieves Satan and believes the Spirit's revelation of the word, the gates of hell cannot prevail against her. Amen. When we learn to doubt Satan long enough to believe the word, when we, believe, when we take the Spirit's revelation of the word, hell can never stop us. It cannot prevail. A simple one sentence that is amazing. It is the revelation of God that will give you authority over the devil. When you take a promise of God, it gives you authority over the devil. Jesus came and taught us in the temptations as much as Satan came with the word even and he came with this and he came with that punch. God came and said, I know the word. I have the revelation of the word and he stood on that and he gave him authority over the devil. Another quote, there is nothing of such prevailing power as the revelation of the word. Revelations chapter 6, verses 5 to 6. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny. So they were controlling the staff of life. They were controlling the word. This was the Catholic church in the dark ages. They were controlling the word, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. And God allowed it. The seed was going into the ground to die. God allowed the word to come to a spot where it fell into the ground and died and there'd be a restoration. It was actually held, the bread. But God said this. He said, see, there's a little bit of it left. See that thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Brother Branham would say in the third seal, oil and wine in the Bible is associated together always. He said, I got the concordance and look, there's a string of them together, oil and wine. It goes together all the time. The oil, as we took it in symbol, means the Holy Spirit. Wine, is oil, wine and oil is connected in the Bible in worship. This is question and answers on the sealed. And the wine, as we put it, well, that's where I got the idea, the stimulation of revelation. just want to go and look at Brother Branham would say in the third seal. Here is the mystery of the black horse, as it was recording as it was revealed to me. He started out riding in the time of the dark ages. That's what the dark horse represented, the dark ages, for it was a time of midnight to the true believers that was left. Watch now in the church age, that middle age, that dark church age, he says, you just have a little strength left. Practically all hope is was gone. 
and, and I'll drop down. He gave them power. That black horse, he took peace. He slaughtered the millions. That's what he was going to do as he rode through. He was on that black horse. Dark age was at that time. His balances or his scales in his hand, calling out a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. See, that is wheat and barley is natural staff of life. See, he was charging for this. He was charging his subjects for the kind of hope of life that he was sending out. He started out in that day of making them pay for prayers, charging for prayer, and they still do it. The novenas, he says. What was he doing? Capturing the wealth of the world. The scale weighing it out, measure of wheat for a penny. So Satan began to capture this bread. And he can capture it in our own lives, begin to charge, or begin to hold us under something. And it holds us back from the full victory that we ought to have. I'm going to jump. I'm, I'm sorry, maybe I feel like I'm not quite getting it where I want to go. But I was, I was thinking about wine a little bit. I began to think about it. And I'm sorry if this jumps around, but I hope it just builds a picture slowly, piece by piece. I was thinking about wine a little bit, and it was, it was running through my mind for a little bit. And it's a type all the way through the Bible. And what's, it was fascinating to me if you begin to look at the thread of wine a little bit through the Bible, in the, in the Old Testament, there would, be, there, would, there would be the mentions of the offerings laid out, or there'd be different things maybe laid out, as even I think about it now. But as the New Testament was coming, and it would, even in Proverbs, it would condemn the drunkard, but yet they, were, they would drink a little bit throughout. It was the joy, and it was a type in the Old Testament, and it was something that they, that they had, that they would do. But then as the New Testament came forth, as the threshold of the new covenant was about to be set, as the cross was coming up to a spot where the, the New Testament and the cross would divide Old Testament and new, and there'd be a new order set forth, something began to change in this type. And what happened was the natural type of wine, just like bread became from the staff of life, became a spiritual, I am the bread of life, just as oil might have been used in the offerings and in the different types and shadows, it began to type the Holy Spirit Wine shifted. Wine made a change. John the Baptist would come forth and the angel would come to him, and to Zechariah. In Luke 1, verses 13, he would say, The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. And thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall neither drink, and this was common of a Nazarite vow, in the Old Testament, and it doesn't say if he didn't cut his hair or not, I'm not sure. Brother Brandon would make the statement, all prophets are under a Nazarite vow. He would even say himself was under a Nazarite vow to be separated from the world. Could mean maybe different things, but it seems that John would have been under a, a, a Nazarite vow of some level. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall neither drink wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. God has this way of kind of puncturing through as much as the Holy Ghost wasn't given to men to abide as of yet. Here was one man that got it. Here was one man that was kind of the forerunner, the shadow of something that was coming. And I'll say there was a prophet in this last day, the forerunner of the second coming of Christ that was given a commission, don't drink, don't smoke, don't defile your body in any way. I have a work to do when you get older. Same as John the Baptist, he was given this Nazarite commission. 
He shall go forth before him in the spirit, verse 17, and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, but it doesn't say the second half that we see in Malachi 4, 5, and the disobedient of the wisdom to the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So John seems to come. The New Testament, the, the, the Old Testament is coming to a close. The New Testament is beginning. It's, there's an overlap. There's a transition. And this Old Testament shadow that we see of wine through the Old Testament is about to make a corner. It's about to make a change. John comes first as the first man with the Holy Ghost that abides. The prophets would come. The Holy Spirit would come. They would prophesy, but the Spirit of God would leave. What a place to live. I pondered on that just a little bit to think of what they must have lived through as a prophet. To contend with their own flesh, not be able to have that same new birth change that we'd have, ups and downs, but once in a while the Spirit of the Lord would come and they'd prophesy. That must have been a, thank God for the new birth that changes us, fills us, sets us on a direction. But here comes John with the Holy Ghost that abides and, he has under, and he's under a vow, under a commission. Jesus comes and he compares himself to John, and something interesting happens in Matthew 11, verses 16. Jesus is talking, and he says, But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced, and mourned unto you, and you have not lamented. And he says this about John. John came neither eating or drinking, and they say he hath a devil. You can see critics. He does a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Oh, he must be. He came not eating or drinking, and they said he was crazy. Here's what he says about himself. Jesus says, the son of man came eating and drinking up to this point. It seems that he would have had part of that type. And they said, behold, a, a, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber. This was Jesus' accusation against him. A gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. So it seems that as the threshold was coming, John came, he was under a commission, Jesus came, and up to a certain point, he, had, he turned water into wine at the marriage of the Lamb of Cana. He, he had this going on until the Last Supper, until the type of communion was about to be set forth. Something changes. Something happens. Something is, Jesus sits down at the Last Supper in Luke 22, 13, they went and they found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire. What a thing to say, God, I, God would say, with desire, I've desired to be with you today. I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I supper. For I say unto you, I will not eat any more thereof of natural bread of natural Passover. I will not eat any more until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and say this, take this and divide it among you. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God should come. And he stops. And there was a cutoff and there was a change. And he goes and he dies on the cross. And that type suddenly goes 50 days later to something spiritual. That was Passover. And a few days later, along comes Pentecost. Jesus says, I will not drink again until the New Testament comes, until the kingdom of God should come. But God always has this way of foreshadowing. I would say today, the kingdom of God is within us. So if the kingdom of God is within us, 
What did he leave behind in Acts chapter 2? What happened in Acts chapter 2? When the day of Pentecost was fully come, what were they accused of? What was the accusation against those coming, stumbling out of an upper room that had spent 10 days getting unified and getting in order, feeding, they'd been feeding so much on that bread of life of Jesus Christ, they'd been hearing the word for three and a half years, the crucifixion happened, the the anointing began to fall on them, the Holy Spirit came like cloven tongues of fire, the Spirit of the Lord came on them and they began to realize, Joel prophesied about this, something happened and a new wine came. A spiritual wine came. God didn't leave it without wine. He came with the spiritual type now for what we have for today. A new wine. Brother Brandon would say, I like the term better, a spiritual wine. He would say. So a transition seemed to happen as that threshold of the cross came. And as the New Testament was moved, bread would shift to a spiritual type. I am the bread of life. Oil would shift to the Holy Ghost type. And wine would make a shift. Say, Brother Branham would say in the new, in the, get, get a chance to listen to the third seal. It'll make you jump or feel something. Or there, there's something that'll come when Brother Branham would begin to say. He would say, now oil symbolizes the spirit, the Holy Spirit. I'll give you a few verses. Leviticus 8.12, we went through that. Aaron, before he went in, had to be anointed with oil. Zechariah 4.12, of oil coming through the pipes. Matthew 25.4, the wise virgin had oil in her lamp. Spirit filled, that was the wise virgin virgin, and wine. What does it symbolize? What does it mean? He says it symbolizes stimulation of something else. They're separate of revelation. Oh, I like to run all over the place. He says, wonder I didn't wake up the neighborhood when the Lord showed me that stimulation of revelation. Oil and wine is always associated together, always. I got the concordance and looked. There's a string of them where wine and oil go together all the time. Here's where it is. When the truth of a promised word of God, by his stripes I'm healed, that the seven seals are open, or that the Holy Spirit will take us into rapture one day, Christ will come. When the truth of a promised word has been truly revealed to his saints, so the truth, the bread is revealed to his saints that are filled with the oil, they get all stimulated. The wine comes. The joy comes. Wine is a stimulation. He says, glory, I feel it right now. Stimulated with joy, shouts. And when it does, it has that same effect that wine does upon a natural man. Because when the revelation has been given of a truth of God and a true believer filled with the oil and a revelation is revealed, the stimulation becomes so great. He makes himself behave unseemly, unnormally. When the Spirit of God comes and he begins to open the Word of God to our life, we begin to see something in the Word of God or we begin to see God working in our life. And Brother Brandon would say, especially when it's vindicated, when it's proven. He would say, Moses would say, let frogs come. But when frogs came... He'll say when, chil- when your children will come home, but when they come home, when you see the word of God not only promised but proven, what does it do to our soul and our heart? It's something we can live off of the next week and the next month. It's the joy of the Lord for us today. It's the word of God come alive in our hearts and so much that it gives you joy. It stimulates you. Now you want a scripture for this. He says, just start reading Acts 2. 
where they at? They had the promise had been given them when the, all the promise of the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. Then it was scripturally vindicated. They were able to come and say, "This is that." Wine represents stimulation of revelation. When the Holy Ghost fell, they seen the fire of God fall upon them that began to stimulate them. First thing you know, they got so stimulated to the people actually thought they were drunk. They were stimulated by the revelation. God's revelation made plain to them they was happy about it. Brother Brandon would say, what is our promise for today? What is the word of God for today? We can get caught up in the emotion we can get caught up in the knowledge. We can get caught up in feeling a feeling and oh, that's revelation. Oh, maybe, but it's got to be based in the word of God. What is the promises of God for us today? In Pentecost, they had a promise, but for us, we have a promise. When I see, Brother Bradham, when I see that God promised to do a certain thing in this day, when he promised to break off those seals in this last day, and you don't know the joy the glory, when I seen him reveal this, stand there and watch it happen. He was in the middle of the seals. He would go into the room. He didn't know what it was. He would have his best guess. He would come out, and God had moved and touched him and spoke to him and showed him what it was. You don't know the joy. Stand there and watch it happen. He says, and know that I'll take any person to charge. He never did say one thing to us, but it happened that way. Then to see the joy that's in my heart when I see his promise for this last day. And here I see it vindicated and make it perfectly right. You just say, you hear me say, I feel religious. He says, the stimulation is so bad. He says, I just hardly get to, I get to cutting up almost. I'm getting cutting up, you know, stimulation from revelation. This thought began to move on my mind a little bit of what the stimulation of revelation. We go through so many things in a day and in a week and in a month and in a year. We need something to keep us going. We have the word of God. We need to feed on it. This is, where, this is maybe the point that I would get to. Those three things put together will make you have a happy overcoming Christian day. If you're feeding on the word, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, and then you take a moment to think of what he's done for you. When you take a moment to see what he's opened up to you in the word. When you see what is coming and the revelation of what is coming. It ought to overcome with a joy in our hearts more than anything the devil could put on us. He can't stop us. We are undefeatable when we stay in the word of God. There's something that comes with that new wine, that stimulation, that little something in our hearts. The joy of the Lord is our strength. No joy, no strength. But when there's joy, when there's joy in the work you do for your boss, there's strength in it. You go do it. When there's no joy in it, it's harder to do. With God, when we can realize he's got that, he's got us, he's given us something, that's the joy that we have. Amen. Brother Brandon, I'll just go a little farther and maybe we'll start to, we'll see where we, how, we, how we landed, how we finished. But the oil was symbolized as the Holy Spirit. We find out that the oil and wine is connected in worship. True worship comes in spirit and in truth. The truth of the word, you could say the bread of the word, the spirit, the Holy Ghost, the anointing oil coming. It produces a joy. It produces a worship. It produces a praise. It's connected together. It's got to be based in the word of God, not just dancing or shouting based on nothing, but feeling good. But when God comes, 
When the word of God that we've seen time after time and month after month, year after year, when it opens up, when it becomes alive, it does something for us. The wine which I said to me, the wine symbolizes that the power of stimulation by revelation. When something has been revealed, it gives stimulation to the believer because it's presented by revelation. It's something that God said. It's a mystery. They couldn't understand it. But after a while, God comes down and reveals it and vindicates it and shows it. If truth is revealed, then truth is also vindicated. I wonder if we could turn to Joel chapter 1. Continue on with the thought just a little longer. This is the scripture that would lay out the, the torn down bride tree. This is the scripture that would show you what it was like before restoration. This would show you what it was like in and around maybe the dark ages or just before Luther came. Because we know that that seed at Pentecostal, Pentecost came and it was there and Peter stood there and said, repent and be baptized. It must have been amazing to see his word go forth, coming out of the upper room, preaching the gospel and 3,000 give their hearts to God in a day. You must have went to sleep that night or maybe you couldn't sleep that night saying, what just happened? God is real. We've multiplied like nothing else. But that seed began to denominate. It began to get lukewarm, not the seed maybe, but the seed began to die ultimately. Satan began to suck the life out of it. He began to pull away the joy. He began to pull away different things. And this is the condition that we found ourselves in as a church maybe a thousand years ago, give or take. Well, Luther came, I guess, in the 1600s, so even less than that. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel, hear this, you old men, and give here, all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. That which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten. And that which the locust hath left, hath the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left, the caterpillar eaten. And then he says, Awake ye drunkards, and weep, and howl, all ye drinkers of wine. Because of the new wine, it's cut off from your mouth. The new wine was there, but it was cut off from them. They were not living where they ought to have been. They, they were not partakers of it anymore. For a nation has come up upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are as the teeth of a lion, and he hath cut the, teeth, the cheek teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine to waste and barked my fig tree. He hath made it clean, bare, and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Lament like a virgin girded with slack, sackcloth for the husband of her youth. Then he would say this, the meat offering, the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests, the Lord's ministers mourn. The field is wasted, the land mourneth, and these three. The corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, the oil languisheth. The three right there, all tied together, all languished, all dried up, all nothing. Be ashamed, O ye husbandmen, howl, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, for the, because the harvest of the field is perished. The word is gone. The word has been taken away. It's been denominated and crushed down under Catholicism, these dark ages, the demonic rioters that went forth, as we would know from the seals. Come ye, howl, um, the vine is dried up. And so the, the wine is dried up. The, the vine is dried up. The, the fig tree languisheth, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree, 
because, and then it would say dropping down, because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Everything seemed to be crushed out. Yet, we know there was a promise. Hurt not the oil and the wine. There's a little bit left. Hurt not those that would have had the Holy Ghost in that time. In that time, it might not have looked the way we would live today, but they had something and they held on to it. They had a little bit left to keep pressing on. It would say, sanctify ye a fast. Verse 14, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord, alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is hand. And Luther would come, and he would pound 95 theses into that church, I think, in Wittenberg. And he would lay out his, 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 his contention with the Catholic church. And a revolution or a reformation would begin. It had fallen into the ground. The word had been maybe almost stamped out. They were selling it, selling prayers. They were measuring the wheat and the barley. They were doing all this. And yet there was just a little light begin to shine in Luther's day. And he began to see, oh, and it says it in the Old Testament. It says it a couple times in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. Not just by works. Not just by, but the just, not just by paying for your sins or your prayers. But the just shall live by faith. I believe God. And he began to take, move forward into justification. Chapter 2. And the restoration would begin to happen. Verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. There would be a corner. It's funny. Always in the Old Testament, there would be a cursing and a blessing. There would be a, 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 a degradation, but a recovery that would come forth. If you'll follow me, if you'll sanctify your ways, if you'll turn to me with all your heart, I'll restore. God would always promise that. Sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, those that suck the breast, let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber and the bride out of her closet, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, spare thy people, Lord, and give not thine heritage to report, reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you what? The word of God, Amen. the stimulation of revelation, and the Holy Ghost, the corn, the wine, and the oil, and ye shall be satisfied therewith. Amen. The true satisfaction that we can find in Laodicea, the only true satisfaction that will fill that thirst is when we're coming and feeding on the word of God. Amen. When we're filled with the Holy Ghost, not by other things. And when we, Brother Branham would say, the importance of revelation to the true believer cannot be overemphasized. He says, I'm talking about all revelation. What are we supposed to do with our lives this year? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to lead our families? How are we supposed to go to school and overcome? Those are revelation that God can give to you to say, this is how I want you to do it. The revelation of God's will for your life, it covers everything. What is, what is, what is, what is faith? It's a revelation. We only can please God by faith. We can only live living by faith. And when it comes, 
It satisfies. It brings a joy. And I'll make you no longer, verse 19, a reproach among the heathen. I'll remove far off. I'm going to drop down. And, and verse 23, be then, be glad then, you children of Zion. I'm going to know Zion is the bride. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down on you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil, and I will restore. What was the precursor? He says it'll be full of wheat and wine and oil, and I will restore to you all the years. Now, Joel, now Peter would come with a promise of the Spirit coming, but here's a promise that we can take today. I will restore all the years, all the way back to Pentecost and beyond, all the years that the, that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army, which I send among you, and ye shall be eaten plenty. It would say that there would be a famine in the land in the last days for the hearing of the word of God, but not for the elect of God. There will be light in the evening time. As much as the denominations, all these different ones might have so much only, we have a full seven-course meal. Ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, that he hath dealt wondrously for you, and my people shall never be ashamed. If we choose the side of the Lord, if we choose to stand for him, there will never be a time. There'll come moments where it might feel shameful or embarrassing or something. God will stand for you if you stand for him. He will never leave you stranded. He'll never, as they say in today's world, he'll never ghost you, if you know what that means. He never backs away and he's just gone and he would never came back. He will stay with you. You might not always see him working or feel him in the moment, but he will back it up. My people shall never be ashamed. When we get to the other side, when we get to a judgment day and we're standing on the right side of judgment day, there's never going to be a point where we regret the life that we lived here on earth. The daily sometimes slog of this and that and getting up on Monday and work. And, but if we can go forward conducting ourselves with joy amidst the trials that he, in his good pleasure, allowed to come. That quote from the church age, we know, book we know so well, how do I prove my love to him by conducting myself with joy amidst the trial? I truly believe many times, I'll say at least many times, maybe not all the time, God will allow the same thing to come your way and my way until we learn to find the joy in it. And trust beyond the feelings and the this and the that, it'll come again in a different form, in a different way, until we learn that this world doesn't matter. This world's not my home. Doesn't matter what happens. Earthly temporal circumstances never change eternal things. Never can affect eternal things. And I'm not from here. I'm from another place. I'm from another realm. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, verse 27, and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And he says again, and my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And upon the servants and upon the handmaids, in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I'll show wonders in the heaven, in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And the end times begin to come. The sun shall turn, be turned into darkness. The moon into blood before the great 
and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. The gospel, Jesus would come and preach half a verse. If you remember Isaiah 61, he would come and say, this day is this scripture fulfilled. But there was a latter half before the great and dreadful day of the Lord or the great and terrible, the judgments of God. I'll I'll read the scripture in Isaiah 61. That is for us. And I think we'll find that there's maybe something tied for us that's there. The spirit of the Lord, Isaiah 61 verse 1. Sorry, I just, it comes to me now. The spirit of the Lord is God is upon me because he hath anointed me, the Holy Spirit, to preach the word of God. Good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. This is the promises. To bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, and to proclaim the jubilee, the acceptable year of the Lord. And the day, this is our day now, and the day of vengeance of our God. What was for our day? To comfort all them that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give them what? Beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. And they shall build up the old wastes. And they shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities. The desolations of many generations. Things could happen in our, our past. For years and years and years, we would see in, in, in the Old Testament, they would build a grove and some future generation would kind of tear down some of it or sometimes tear down all of it or leave a few things in the high places. Or We can have a family past that would carry generation after generation after generation. And sometimes maybe dad tore down some of this and there was a little bit of this, but this carries on and that carries on or it goes on. And we can be haunted and Satan can come and say, well, because this, you'll never be this. You always will struggle or there's a family trait or there's this. What is this scripture saying? They shall build up the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. There comes a day to break all cycles. There comes a day where he that is quickened by the Spirit, it quicken your mortal body. And we begin to live in such a way. We won't be perfect on this earth. Don't try. It's going to hurt. It won't work. It'll be miserable. But through the Spirit of God, there should be no sin that can stand against the Word of God. As it comes against us, sometimes we bat, sometimes we fall, sometimes there's this. But there's a way. A righteous man will fall seven times, but he'll get up again. And if you fell seven times, but you got up the eighth time, you're good. (laughs) You overcame. That's what overcoming is. A trial, a test, a temptation is only an opportunity to overcome. He that overcometh will I give all of these things. The desolation of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of aliens shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. And ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. And, and the scripture would go on. We live in a blessed time. We live in a wonderful time to see the promises of God. There ought to be, there ought to be no reason to be discouraged, yet it comes. 
yet it happens. But there's something that we have, a little script bag that we have, a little something that we can take forward to say, in this little bag, I have my bread, I have my wine, I have my oil. Let's not forget the wine, because it's good. Did you know that there's, in this new wine, forgive me for saying it this way, in this, this, this wine, you can drink it at work, you can drink it while you drive, don't have to be eight, you don't have to be 18, you don't have to be anything. You just have to be able to have a channel open and God, to, it doesn't matter, the, the, all of those things of the world, it's for you. I, I, I want to read this really quick. This is what Wikipedia would say just a little bit about wine. The effects of wine depend on the amount consumed, the span of time over which consumption occurs, so keep drinking, keep drinking, and the amount of alcohol in the wine. I would say that God gave us some pretty pure wine. He's given us something that ought to spark something in us. Drinking enough wine to reach a blood alcohol content of whatever may cause, and I'll say in this case will cause, an overall improvement in mood, increase self-confidence and sociability, decrease anxiety, and then there's flushing of the pace and impaired judgment, which doesn't include the side effects of this wine. We will not have impaired judgment under this wine. We'll have an increase of mood. We'll have an increase of something. There's something that comes. Uh, one more, well, I don't know. I can't say one more, but I, we're, we're coming down. Proverbs 23. Uh, there's this, I, I found this, and it just, I liked it. Talked about wine. It says, verse 20. No, sorry, verse 29. It's talking about wine. Proverbs 23, verse 29. And I want you to think about the new wine and the natural type of wine and compare the two for a second because there's a compare and contrast if you look at this. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? This is the bad of wine. They that tarry long at the wine. They have woe, contentions, sorrow, babbling. They that go to seek mixed wine. And it says, look not upon the wine when it is red. It's deceiving. Look not on it. It looks so good. It, it swirls just right. It smells so good. It, it, when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last, it biteth like a serpent. This is Solomon's wisdom. He's seen enough. He did everything. It says, he did, I did it all to see what it was. It, look not upon the wine. At the last, it biteth like a serpent. It stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes, this is the effects of wine. Thine eyes shall behold strange women. Thine heart shall utter perverse things. It lowers your inhibitions. It, what's in there comes out in a way that it shouldn't. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth on the top of a mast. And he's saying this. They have stricken me, thou shalt say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When I shall awake, I will seek it again. A drunken man. Beholding strange women, contentions, woes, sorrows. Let's start at verse 29 again, and I'm sorry to change a few words, but I think it's okay. Who hath not woe? This is the new wine. Verse 29. Who hath not sorrow? Who doesn't have contentions? Who isn't babbling other than perhaps when the Spirit of God comes, there's sometimes the other side, and the Spirit of tongues would come forth. Who hath wounds without a cause? Who hath not redness of eyes? They that tarry at the new wine. They that go after the Spirit of God and the right kind of wine. 
Dropping down to verse 33, thy eyes shall not behold strange women because there's something else, a new spirit in you. That wine does not do that. That wine quickens the other side. That wine is, is, is the stimulation of revelation, but the Holy Spirit brings another thing. Thine heart shall not utter perverse wisdoms, but I will say you might be like the guy that yea, that shall be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea or he that lieth on the top of the mast and says, they have stricken me and I was not sick. They struck me, I, I, beat it, I was beaten and I felt it not. When we truly experience the presence of God, doesn't matter who does what to you. It doesn't matter if you feel sick. You don't have to feel it. There's something beyond. Our body can feel it, but in our soul. When someone strikes us or beats at us or this happens, that happens. Brotherly kindness is a victory that comes from brotherly kindness and brotherly things in a church. Brotherly, that's what it comes from. How do you get patience? Well, you don't have to wait. There's a patience test. How do we get brotherly kindness? But when we have the new wine, when we have something in us, we can say, they have beaten me and I felt it not. When I wake up, I'm going to go seek more new wine. When I awake, I will seek it yet again. That's the joy that will take us through everything. That's the something that will take us through everything. When we see who we are, when we see what we are, what we stand for, that we can do the greater works, that we are an invincible army. There is nothing as of prevailing power as revelation, as the revelation of the word of God. Musicians can come. The power of revelation, Brother Branham says, brings stimulation to the believer. For the power of wine, natural wine, is to stimulate, to bring a person that's all slumped down to stimulate. That's the power of natural wine. person that's all slumped down, it stimulates them. See then, well now, there is a power of revelation of the word. It gives stimulation of joy in the believer, stimulation of satisfaction, stimulation that it's vindicated, it's proved. It's called in the scripture as we refer to it, new wine. We always refer to it like as that. These are drunk on new wine is the accusation. See, all right, or Brother Brandon would say spiritual wine. I think the best interpretation would be spiritual wine. There was a type that came in the Old Testament. It was a natural form, but it's moved to a spiritual form, and it's available for you and for me. It gives us that something to keep on going. As the natural wine reveals itself in stimulating power, so does the new wine. It reveals the word of God, which is spirit. All three right there. It reveals the new wine. It reveals the word of God, which is spirit. Oh, there, the word itself is spirit. You believe that. There'd be more we could say. You could play something softly. I'm not sure what to play, but Melchizedek came forth after the battle. They had went, and there was Sodom, and all these things, and what did Abraham do? And Brother Brandon would even make the type before going back to his homeland. He met Melchizedek, and he fed him the, the bread and the wine, the first type of communion. It was, I would say, and, and Brother Brandon would say it was a beautiful type of how we meet the Lord in the air before going home. What is communion to us? Us taking the bread, the body of Christ, the word of God, us drinking the wine, and we want to live it with the Holy Ghost on our lives. Those three together make true communion with God. 
And we can have it in our day-to-day life, communion with God. We can have it as a, what, what, what comes? The joy of the Lord that comes when we take the communion. It's not just the fact that we had a sip of wine. It's because we were fulfilling the word of God. And God comes and backs it up. We're proving, we're vindicating the word of God. God comes and backs it up and gives us such a love and a joy for each other and for him. There's something just about this. I maybe didn't bring it out the way I wanted to, but Brother Branham would say this. If revelation, sometimes we hear big words, third seal, the fourth rider, revelation. If revelation is beyond you, look up and seek God for it. That is the only way you're ever going to get it, he says. This is the church age book. A revelation has to come from God. It never comes by human natural endowments, but by spiritual endowment. You can even memorize the scripture, and though that is wonderful, that won't do it. It has to be a revelation from God. It says in the word that no man can say that Jesus is the Christ except by the Holy Ghost. You have to receive the Holy Ghost, and then, and only then, can the Spirit give you the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, God, the Anointed One. No man knows the things of God, save the Spirit of God, and he to whom the Spirit of God reveals them. We need to call on God for revelation more than anything else in the world. And I can say I have a truth. I don't have a revelation of that because I don't. But God help me. It says we ought to call on revelation of God. And maybe we do when we ask for God's leadership and to show us in different things. Maybe we don't realize that's what we're calling for. But that's what brings us forward. Brother Branham says it can't be overemphasized. If it's beyond you, look up and seek God for it. And we need to call on it for that more than anything else in the world. May God, by his spirit, give us continuous, life-giving and prevailing revelation. Oh, if the church could only get a fresh revelation and become it, become, become by it the living word manifested, we would do the greater works and glorify our Father in heaven. song or you play okay. I worship you in spirit and in truth oh lifting holy hands I worship you I do. Oh, I will. 
in spirit. 